Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. we do invite you to remain standing in body or in spirit for the reading of God's holy word that comes from the gospel of Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 through 26. Let's give our attention to God's holy word. Someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, Keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So God, we pray that your truth would be revealed in your word and in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I am only used to driving small cars. When uh, I was about to turn 16, my parents asked me, Aaron, what kind of car would you like? A Honda Accord or a Honda Civic? They are our Honda um, loyalists. That's, what, uh, that's the only really car I remember them driving. And so that's, that's what I had driven most of my, my life is a, are these little cars. And so it was a little bit strange when Um, When I was 22 years old, my my wife Heather and I, we were moving from Norman um, to go to seminary in Kentucky, that it was my turn to drive the big U-Haul truck. All the other times we had moved in my life, it had been my dad's job to drive the the U-Haul. That was the husband's job, right? But all of a sudden, I was the husband, and so here we go. And driving a U-Haul with all your stuff is very different than driving the little Civic that I was used to. And so I was kind of enjoying it as we pulled out of Norman and and through Oklahoma City. And then as we as we left kind of the Oklahoma City area and started to head more and more towards Tulsa, where there was more and more hills, I began to experience what the truckers would experience. Right. That as you go up those hills, you start to to lose speed. Right. Um, Because of all the stuff that's weighing you down. But then once you crested that hill right? You were able to build some speed uh, just going down. And so um, I'm in the, the U-Haul and uh, um, by myself, uh, my wife's in another vehicle, my mother-in-law is in another car following. 
and away we go on this journey. And so I'm enjoying going up and down these hills, going down more than, than going up. But as, I, as I'm going up this little hill, I notice that when I press the accelerator, that there's no accelerating that's happening. I thought that's a strange thing. I mean, you know, you just kind of do it. And I crest that hill and I, I go down and I'm getting my momentum, but there is this bigger hill that is right in front of me. And so I, um, I, I try to get some momentum, every bit of momentum I can get. I'm trying to press the accelerator, but there is no accelerating that is happening. And there's this hill that's in front of me. And then I see a sign. It says, rest area, one mile. And I thought, Lord, if you are good, I will make it up this hill. And so I'm going up this hill, and I, my, my speedometer is like 70, 65, 60, you know, just losing speed the whole time. 55, 50, and I'm just trying, you know, maybe it got stuck, some, you know, like what it is, and, you know, trying to be cool, you know, and, and trying to pay attention to all the other things. You know, it's like 50, 45, 40. You know, I felt like a, you know, a radio announcer going down while the football player was going down the sideline, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. And I crested the hill about 30 miles an hour so that I could slide down into the rest area and make it there. A long story short, after a few hours, they did whatever they needed to do. And I was able to drive that U-Haul uh, pretty much the next day all the way to Kentucky. And we had no issues. And I did not have to call any of my friends to ask them to help me move stuff from one U-Haul to another. I texted a couple of them and said, what are you doing this afternoon just to see? And they were like, you aren't serious. And I was like, I hope I'm not serious uh, in that way. But, but there was something, right, that, that when you're on a journey, when you're climbing a mountain, that, that the, the heavier the load, the harder it is to get up the hill. The, the more stuff that you carry with you, the harder it is to make your way up. Uh, mountains are harder the more stuff that you bring with you. And so it is what Jesus and his encounter with this guy, he, he, he encounters somebody who has a lot of stuff with them. I like the way the message translation says it when he says, what else must I do? The message says, if you want to give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor. All your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let go. He was holding on tight to a lot of stuff and he couldn't bear to let go. And so the question I'm going to be asking you, a question I want you to be asking yourself is this question throughout the sermon, what are you holding on to too tightly? What is it that you are holding on to too tightly? And in this encounter, we hear about what this young man is doing. And it's an interesting encounter. Um, you know, one of the first things he asks is he says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's a strange question, right? What, what good deed? But this is what we think, right? That, okay, um, I, I want to do the, the right thing. So God, if you'll just tell me what it is that I can do so that I can control my final destination. What can I do? And Jesus began by saying, well, just obey the commandments. He's like, which ones, right? He's always asking a little bit more, which ones? Well, these, he says, all these I've done. Is there any more? 
And what he knew was that there was something that was amiss. He had, he had done the basics, and so he was wondering if there was something bonus that he could do in order to get what he wanted to do, to experience, to have eternal life. He had a lot of things. And so when he pressed Jesus, Jesus pressed back. It's one of the reasons why sometimes we don't pray, because we don't want to hear what Jesus has to say, right? And so he pressed back and, and, and he said, okay, if you really want it, if you really want this life, if you really want to know what is amiss, sell everything you own and then come, give that money to the poor and then come follow me. And he was holding on too tightly to all of his things, to all of his stuff, to all of that. And this is what happens with possessions, right? Is that too often we don't own our possessions, our possessions own us. We make decisions, right? You know, uh, I think about, well, you know, we, we bought a boat, so that means we've got to buy a bigger truck because we've got to be able to haul the boat, right? We let our possessions own us. We get new shoes, and so I, now we have to get a new outfit because we've gotten the new shoes. Everybody's looking at their shoes now. Like, yeah. Right? We, we, our possessions can find a way to own us. Now, sometimes it is our actual possessions, but sometimes what we are holding on to is not necessarily tangible things, but it's other things. So again, I ask you, what are you holding on to too tightly? What is it? And what you are holding on to too tightly is what we would call an idol. Now, sometimes we think about an idol being like this golden shrine that people would bow down and worship. But that's really not the way that, that we need to look at an idol. I love the way that there's a pastor up in New York. His name is Tim Keller. And this is his definition of, of an idol. He says an idol is anything, even a good thing, that becomes an ultimate thing. An idol is anything, even a good thing, that becomes an ultimate thing. And, and, and it is the things that, that make decisions on our behalf. It is the things that drive our hopes or our insecurities. It is anything, even a good thing, that becomes an ultimate thing. And what we are called to do, especially as we're climbing a mountain, as we're taking this journey with Jesus, is that we have to get rid of those things that weigh us down. We cannot have our U-Haul full of all this stuff when we're trying to climb a mountain. And the accelerator isn't working right. We instead have to get rid of stuff, right? I think about there was some, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie where they, were try, they had to empty all the weight off they could so that they could turn around or outrun the other ship, right? They had to strip off the weight. And, and, and that's really what we're called to do. Hebrews 12 says it this way. Um, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so we have to strip off these things that we are holding on to, and we have to focus and refocus our attention and our heart on Jesus. So I ask you again, what are you holding on to too tightly? What is it that's in your grips and you won't let go? Now, what, what is about to follow are just some of the things that could, that you could be holding on to too tightly. Um, this is not an exhaustive list. This is, just a, this is just to get the ball rolling. I may hit some of you. Some people in the first service said I hit them every time, all right? Um, but, but I want you to just sort of say, okay, God, what is it that I am holding on to too tightly? So here are some things that you and I might be holding on to too tightly. One is pain. 
you might be holding on too tightly to a pain. Um, now, I believe it's very, very important that we grieve and that we mourn and that we walk through grief and tragedy, but sometimes we can allow ourselves to be completely defined by our pain. Now, I'm a big supporter of recovery ministry. I'm a big supporter of AA. I'm a big supporter of that kind of thing. But the, the only thing that I really don't like about AA is that people are often identified solely by their sickness. They would, somebody would say, hi, my name is Aaron, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, and, and I don't like that as much as what happens like in a celebrate recovery world, where it says, hi, my name is Aaron. I'm a son of God who struggles with alcoholism. Sometimes we can let our sin define us. We can let our pain define us. We can let that, that d- divorce or we can, we can let that tragedy, we can let that event or whatever it is define us. And it weighs us down. It should, it does shape and form us. And I'm not saying just forget about it and move on. It's not that simple. But we don't have to let it be the defining feature of our life. And what we hold on to tightly is this truth. I won't hurt like that again. And there are some times where we said, well, I was hurt when I loved somebody, so I'm never going to love anybody again. That's an idol. Because what we're saying is, I won't hurt like that again. So maybe what you're holding on to too tightly is that pain that is driving your decisions in the future. Another thing that, that could be an idol is fear particularly of the unknown, particularly of the uncertain of of what might be ahead. And you and I, we are people who desire to know certainly what will happen. One of my favorite television shows is a show called The West Wing, and it's about a a presidency and um, the President Bartlett, he has his chief of staff, his his second in command, a guy by the name of Leo McGarry. Um, And I know that those of you who like The West Wing will talk to me afterwards in the service because you like, that's what West Wing people do. But there's this episode, um, there's this episode where there's this battle, there's this uncertainty about kind of another part of the world and what the right decision is. And President Bartlett says, tell me how this ends, Leo. You want me to start something that may have serious repercussions on American foreign policy for decades, but you don't know how it ends. And Leo yells back, which you're not supposed to do at the president, but that's what Leo does. He says, we don't always know how it ends. We like to know how it ends. We want to know that what we're doing will work because there are some times when we do stuff and it hasn't worked out and it feels like it's failed miserably. And so we are afraid of what might happen. And that's really, and so we let fear decide. We, we let the fear of not knowing how it ends decide. And that's really what fear is. I want to know how it ends, and we have to give that up. Maybe we're holding on too tightly to knowing how it ends and how it's supposed to go. There's also uh, the next one I had down is entitlement, that, that there are times in which we were holding on to our possessions. I imagine that's what that young man sort of thought. He had all this stuff. He had obeyed the commandments. He had worked hard. He had accumulated stuff. He had earned something. And so when Jesus said, sell all your possessions, he thought, but those are mine. I've worked hard. I've deserved that. I've went through a lot. It's mine. But we are stewards on this earth. We're not to be entitled. You see, entitlement says, I deserve this. And we hold on. It's my place. I've worked hard. Don't they know what I've sacrificed? And sometimes we even get ways that don't even make full sense in our heads 
But entitlement's one of those things that creeps up. I remember I was at a meeting one time and, and they were talking about everybody's favorite topic, illegal immigration, which is a dangerous thing for me to talk about, but here we go. And, and so we were talking about that and, um, and I think probably, I mean, they were talking about how um, there are obviously a lot of people who come over illegally. There are people who come over legally in that process. And they were saying, you know, I, I appreciate people who did it the right way, who, who go through all the steps, and then they can, because they've earned it just like you and I have earned our citizenship. And I thought, I didn't earn my citizenship. I happened to be born on a plot of land that was centralized, that was in the United States of America, to people who had been born in the United States of America. There was an entitlement. I had deserved it. No, we had just been born here. And so we, 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 those things creep up, right? I'm different. And what entitlement often says is I'm different than you. And I have special privileges that you don't. And it's so easy to creep up, even in good ways. And I, we could be proud to be citizens, and I think we should be. But, but entitlement creeps up and finds a way in. Another one of the things that sometimes we, we find ourselves getting into is the need for security. It can be something we hold on to. We love our security. We love our stability. It's one of the, the most important things that we need to be healthy is to have security. But we can overplay our security hand and we go from being secure to being comfortable. And then committing our whole world to comfortability, which is not the world that Jesus has called us to. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, I have nowhere to lay my head. Jesus did not call us to safety. He called us to faithfulness. And so when we have an idol of safety in which every decision is made based on my safety, not just my physical safety, my emotional safety, um, my, my, even my comfortability, what we say again and again is, oh, better safe than sorry. And while I believe that's times that that's true, when that becomes the deciding thing again and again and again, we miss living and stepping out where Jesus would call us to. Another one that, uh, that we have sometimes is pride. We, we, we can think and we can believe that we need to be successful. We need to be admired. We, we have to have been accomplished something and, and, and that we are working hard towards that. And pride says, I must appear worthy. I've got to appear like I have it together. I have to be enough. Or what is the point of it? There's another one of, that goes right alongside with pride, and that's control. Control, this need to have authority, probably is best summed up in the old song, I did it my way. May have been the wrong way, but at least I did it my way. Some of you are like, I've never heard that song before. There's a lot of different things that, that can influence where we are what is it that that you are holding on to too tightly is it a particular belief that isn't jesus but a belief in the church or in our political parties or something else that we aren't willing to that we're grasping too tightly what is it that we are holding on to too tightly anything even a good thing can become an ultimate thing one of the best gifts that God has given any of us is family. And that means that family has the danger of being an utmost idol. 
And so as we were sharing about this as a, as a church staff, then um, one of the, the ladies read a, a, a daily devotional from Jesus Calling that she had saved in her phone. And let me, let me share with you what that says and, and why the idolatry of family is, is so dangerous. And this devotion written from the perspective of Jesus says this, Entrust your loved ones to me. Release them into my protective care. They are much safer with me than in your clinging hands. If you let a loved one become an idol in your heart, you endanger that one as well as yourself. Remember the extreme measures I used with Abraham and Isaac. I took Isaac to the very point of death to free Abraham from son worship. Both Abraham and Isaac suffered terribly because of the father's undisciplined emotions. Both Abraham and Isaac suffered terribly because of the father's undisciplined emotions. I detest idolatry even in the form of parental love. When you release loved ones to me, you are free to cling to my hand. As you entrust others into my care, I am free to shower blessings on them. My presence will go with them wherever they go, and I will give them rest. The same presence stays with you as you relax and place your trust in me. Watch to see what I will do. And ultimately, when, when we treat our family members as idols, what we are saying is I love them better than God can. I love them better than God can. And so what we are called to do as people, now again, these are just some. You, God may, and I hope that God has placed something that you are holding on to too tightly um, and again, maybe it's one of these, maybe it's something else, maybe it's something very particular that God is calling you to surrender and to trust. That psalm of ascent that, that Reuben read earlier, it reminds us that, that God cannot be shaken. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. And so as the pilgrims would have been making this journey to Jerusalem during the holy days, including Jesus and his disciples in this, they would have been reading these Psalms of Ascent that we've been doing over the past few weeks. And this would have been one. And you can only imagine as they are looking and they can see in the distance this, this holy mountain, the highest mountain, the mountain where Abraham sacrificed Isaac, the mountain in which the temple was built upon. As they are walking there, they can look and they can have confidence that that mountain that God has moved is still there. And it cannot be shaken. It will endure forever. And, and the Lord, and as the mountains surround, they can trust and know that they have been surrounded and so can you. That when we allow ourselves to free ourselves of the weight of these things that we're holding on to so that we can grab hold of Jesus and trust in him we can have confidence that God is for us. So one of the things we have to do is we have to pause. And I know that sometimes, whatever it is, that, that idol, it is, it is screaming and it's yelling at us and it's telling us, that's not true. You still have to take control. You've, you've got to make sure that this is safe. Your child fell and hurt themselves. What do you think it's going to be different this time? 
And what we have to do is we, we need to look back at the long view of history. And that's one of the great things about God's word is it gives us a long view of history that shows us God's faithfulness to his people. Now, God's faithfulness doesn't always mean that life went well. It means that God is always with them. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, then um, there are times in which Israel, like things are going good for the nation of Israel, um, and then things are going terribly wrong, and then they, they, they do good and things are going well, and then they forget who God is and they go there. Um, in this book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, it talks about the sawtooth history of the Bible, up and down. And it says, as we read that sawtooth history, we realize something solid and steady. They, the Israelites, we are always God's people. We are always God's people. God is steadfastly with us in mercy and judgment. He's gracious and he's present. And so we have to learn to live not by our feelings about God. Those will ebb and flow. Not just when the Sunday morning worship is on point, but on the times in which we've missed worship for a few weeks and we feel so distant. That doesn't change who God is and the facts about God. Now, the, the final words of the psalm that, that Peter, that Reuben read, it says, But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Those final words are, peace be on Israel. And, and Eugene Peterson, he, he's quoted to say that one way to translate that, peace be on Israel, is relax. Relax. God's got this. When you're shaken, trust in me. When what you think you know has changed, trust in me. When you are afraid, trust in me. And relax that I've got this. God's got this. So what are you going to cling to today? You're going to cling to your pride, your need of control, the idol of pain or fear or even family? Are you going to cling to Jesus and trust in him? Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.